Well, hello everybody and welcome to Parenting Well. My name is Dave. I uh, hail from Tacoma, Washington, where it's known for the aroma of Tacoma. Um, it's great to be able to be with you and my role this uh, afternoon is to introduce to you your uh, presenter. Your presenter I have known intimately for 41 years. Uh, she makes a really mean tostada. She teaches second grade dual language, uh, one day in English, the next day in Spanish to primarily immigrant children. She has a master's degree in education, and she's raised three children despite of me. One of them uh, pastors in Hollyweird, one of them uh, with their spouse also pastor in San Diego, and one of them pastors near us, near Snohomish, Washington. So she has experienced this from a professional level, from a parenting level, and I balance her out. So anything that she says that's kind of like a little extreme, I'm on the probably other side. Any couples resemble that? She's live. She is, I always describe ourselves as a mullet. I'm the business. She's the party. Would you welcome my wife, Stella Ann or Wendy? Hi. Yay. Thanks, Dave. 41 years with that. Yep. Okay. Come on in. Have a seat. And if you're comfortable, because I'm going to have you interact with one another, I'm asking that you scoot over or at least be within fresh breath, uh, uh, you know, content. Here we go. So um, this is titled Parenting Well. I take this very serious. This has been a journey of mine to help, encourage, love, and pray for people that are on a journey of parenting because we know it is hard work. We know it is not easy. We know that children are a blessing, and then they turn two, and you wonder, what the heck did we just do? So um, I'd like to begin our time in prayer. Join me, please. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to share nuggets, nuggets from your word, nuggets from your heart, and nuggets from your spirit. And I pray that everyone will go home with at least two of these nuggets, that they would be able to implement something new after today in their parenting world. I pray, Father, for open hearts, for open minds, and for just a great time together to not take ourselves so seriously that we harm our children, but instead, Father, that these pastor's kids that are represented today with their parents being here would in the end follow you. We know you do not have grandchildren, Lord, so we can only pray for the hearts of our children that they too would become open-hearted to who you are, to your leading, to your guidance, and to your voice. In Jesus' name we pray these things, amen. I'm serious about this. There are plenty of seats up front. If you'd like to make your way up here, I talk a lot, so you want to sit down. <laughs> I make no apologies that I talk a lot. Um, 
I'd like to begin also by just welcoming you and thanking you for this opportunity. I don't take it lightly. I take it very seriously, and I love it. I love the microphone. I love the spotlight, and I love new outfits. So, hey. <laughs> so, there it is. And I cannot sing like Beyonce, but who cares, right? Um, you're either here because there was nowhere else to go. Your husband signed you up because he thinks you need help. Or because you're desperate. Anyone willing to say they're desperate? Oh, I saw that hand over here. You win the first prize of the day. Do you want one, two, or three? Pick a number. Oh, three. I love to give gifts away. And you'll have to open it and just, you know, show everyone what they missed out on because they didn't put their hand up fast. So now you know how I roll. So y'all better be listening to me because I like to give gifts, and I have a few more to give away. What would you get? Does anyone know what those are? They're amazing. You put them down and your, your cup sweats, and it catches, and you don't have a mess. It's just lovely. I have two in my car. So I'd like to start with the word. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to start with Proverbs Seven, two through four. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablet of your heart. If you do this, you will experience God's great love and peace. And isn't that what we need and looking for with our children? That's what we need. That's what we're looking for. And call wisdom, it says at the very end of that, your intimate friend. Call wisdom your intimate friend. You're here to gain some wisdom. It's not just from my own experience and education wisdom. It's also wisdom from the word, and you always have the word to go back on. You don't have to hang on to words I say or even books maybe that you read or Pinterest pins that you find or Googling things that you might encounter. There is a gamut of education out there. Take advantage of that. And don't be limited to. A lot of the work that I'm doing this morning has also to do with a book that I love. I'm not selling the book. I'm not promoting the book, other than if you need a good book. It's not written in a Christian perspective. It's called GIST by both Drs. Anderson and Johansson. And um, I've taken a lot of the technology that I'll be reading about uh, and sharing with you about through that. Another... Um, a couple websites I'll be sharing later that are also um, very helpful. So there's a gamut of tools out there is what I'm trying to say about parenting. And if you haven't had a chance to discover any, I, I encourage you to find that. There's a couple places over here. There you go. Come on in. There's lots of spaces up front if you don't mind yeah, just making your way. So another uh, scripture I would like to share is out of Galatians 5. And um, I have chosen not to use technology, so I'm using my phone. And um, it's very interesting because I'm old, and I don't always go to my phone very easily. So now it's open, and I'm going to now try to read it off my phone. All you young people, I don't know, not know how you guys <laughs> preach out of this. So um, I'm going to read to you the fruit of the Spirit. 
The reason I want to start with my scriptures are twofold. The first one is we can't do anything in our life well without with the word being in our lives, I believe. The second reason is because I will be making reference, and you'll know that where some of this came from, and that is from the word. So it says, "Be uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and I know you can sing the song, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. But listen to 23, gentleness and self-control. I want you to say that with me, self-control. And I think in parenting, sometimes we find ourselves out of control or we find our children out of control. And the fruit of the Spirit includes self-control, not just for you, but for your children. And what I have found, not just in teaching, but in just being with parents, be it at Mc. McDonald's with my grandchildren or out in the mall or even here, children that are out of control that are allowed to be out of control because you're okay with them being out of control. And I just want to encourage you that the word says that if you're asking them to be kind, if you're asking them to be full of joy and to be patient, do not forget that piece of self-control. So... Um, Roots and wings. Over the years, countless friends have asked Dave and I, how did you raise three children, um, and they're all in ministry? Not all PKs will end up in ministry. Can I just say that right now? Because I get an amen for that. And it's just, we told them to become teachers. We told them to become veterinarians. We told them to become architects. We did not plan for this. We did not raise the beach kids to be pastor's kids. It, it just wasn't what we thought was going to happen. God had a plan, and we did not. We wanted them well-educated, and we had other plans, but that was not. So please don't feel that we are here because we have pastor's kids, and that's what I'm talking about. That is not what I'm talking about. Do not put that on yourself, but certainly do not put that on your children just because you pastors. On pastor, what we found were some pastor's kids that walked away from not just church, but from their families. Because they were raised in a really tight grip. And, and Dave, I thought, coined the phrase, he'd say, legalism leads to rebellion. So be careful of your legalistic ways. Now, we raised our kids in the late 70s, early uh, 80s, and legalism was alive and well. And could have caused a lot of damage to our kids. It, it might still. It, we might go to counseling. We don't know. But um, we, we don't. You know, we don't know that yet. But that's how we raised our children for a while. And then we began to let go, and we began to allow the Lord to guide us better. And along that way, these are a few things that we did. And I hope that they are helpful. What we did was teach our son Chad, our daughter Bethany, and our other son Kyle to make good choices. Make a good choice. And we also wanted our children to have life-ready skills. Our jobs as parents are to prepare our children for life. To acquire and establish a root system with a firm foundation. And for our home, because Jesus is our Lord, it was in Christ. When storms of life come along, they could weather the storms just like an oak tree. Their roots would go down so that they could be prepared for whatever come their way. 
Our gathering here is to learn skills and to be encouraged. And my most sincere prayer is that you would hear God about each and every child and how you lead each and every one differently and individually, not just as a clump. If you have six kids, it's great. You have a clump of grapes, but each grape has its own flavor and its own identity, and don't forget that. Um, in the book that I made reference to is a quote. Any person without a significant understanding of authority, of discipline, of disappointments, of relationships, and of, of achievement has not developed and is not ready for adulthood. A child that is coddled and coddled and coddled and not allowed to grow and have uh, failures, uh, not to lose at a game, not to have a broken friendship, not to have a broken relationship with uh, even someone in the family, and learn how to cope with those skills to get back on track is not a child that is as well taken care of as he or she could be. Because what it does is it damages their ability to understand who they are, their strengths, their responsibilities, and their calling. Because we all have gone through tough times. We've all been that, that third grader that everybody decided not to play with for the day. We've all been that junior higher that showed up and was laughed at. We've all been that high school kid that didn't get the date to the homecoming. We've all been that young adult that didn't get invited to the party. We've had ups and downs scholastically. We've had ups and downs emotionally. We've had ups and downs. And you as parents have to be mindful that you cannot save them. I think of a toddler that's learning, the one-year-old that's like, and we laugh at them and they fall and we go, oh, aren't they cute? And the mom behind them goes, oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. She looks ridiculous. <laughs> she looks ridiculous. If you're that mom, stop it right now. Because you know that toddler has to fall in order to learn to walk well. And you know that toddler has to teeter and totter to find their balance in order to run. And that's what I'm talking about in that respect. So we came up with a mission statement for our children. I love mission statements. We are from the Northwest. And um, in the Northwest, we have some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, companies. I'm just going to name a few because I'm going to brag. Nintendo, Boeing, Starbucks, Amazon, Nordstrom, my favorite. And uh, those are just a few. And each and every one of these um, companies has a mission statement. And when we were, again, I'm going to the phone to try to find this because our dear assistant put it up there for me. Um, so when the kids were young, actually when Chad turned two, we were like, what happened to this child? Um, we went to some people in our church and we said, we really like how your children behave. They listen to you and then they obey you. What is it you're doing? And so they took us under their wings and they began to mentor us in parenting. And my question to you today before I share our mission statement, because it catapulted us into making a mission statement, is who's speaking into your life today in your parenting world? Now, I was talking to my daughter about this last night. She just shared at her sister-in-law's church on parenting. And she was shocked because more young parents said, um, mm -mm. I don't want anyone to speak into my parenting world. I was stunned at that. Here it is, folks. 
If you have a mom, I don't care if you don't get along with her, you need to listen to your mom. If you have a mother-in-law, and I'm the mother-in-law of two, I don't care if you don't like her very much. By the way, they do love me, but I don't care if you don't like your mother-in-law very much. She has something to say about parenting because she has wisdom beyond what you have. If you have a friend and you don't like what they're, how they're parenting, okay, walk away and go to another friend. Find someone that you see is parenting well, has some great ideas. You could use some advice or even some prayer. And ask them, how do you think I'm doing? Do you like being with my kids? Do you think I'm doing okay? And it's not for your validation, but speak to me about some things that I could do for my children. It's amazing what will happen. People are honest, usually, and they can say things like, you know what, your kids could use some improvement in their manners. You know what, your children whine a lot. No offense. <laughs> That's a baby. It's a cute baby. It's a really cute baby. It is important that someone's speaking into your life. I think the word tells us that. Did we just not read Proverbs where it says, call wisdom your intimate friend and wisdom you gain from other people? So it catapulted us into a mission statement. Here's Starbucks. Any any ex-Starbucks that current, I bet you could actually recite this. Okay, to inspire and nurture the, hum the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. Good job. Come and get a gift. Which one do you want, two or one? Two. Thank you. Give it up for her. Barista. I know, isn't it so cute? <laughs> Share it with everyone, because if you're a girl like me, you're going to really want to know what it is. It's one, of those little, it's one of those little plates you take your rings off it. Thank you. Do. With inspiration. I know. The guys are lying. What? And the girls are going, what's she teaching another class? I want to buy. I want, I want a gift. Raise your hand if you want a gift, because I know you do. While we're talking, please turn to your neighbor, hopefully you have a breath mint, and ask them, who's speaking into your life today, or if you need to find someone. I'm giving you a minute. <laughs> Not yet. I want those two minutes. <laughs> I'm going to finish this, and then we'll reset. Wow. Ding, 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 ding. 
Thank you for sharing. Well, obviously, all of you have a lot to say. This is our school universal sign. It means we are at silent. I guess I'm going to have to implement some of my school tricks here. Good job. Sometimes I have people do that, and they kind of look at each other like, uh, you guys are ready to talk. This is awesome. Do I have three people that would love to share? Yes, ma'am. You're very blessed to have her. So you can see, you can see the value of that. Anybody on this side of the room want to share? Yes, ma'am, in the periwinkle. Uh huh, periwinkle. Per that's periwinkle. That's awesome, and, and we need that. And, and thank you for sharing you have a special needs daughter. And for those who have, in our family, we have two special needs. If, if you have any special needs children, God bless you. Thank you. Not easy. Whether it's social, emotional, whether it's an abused child, whether it is ADHD, whether it is dyslexia, whether it's an illness. I thank you parents ahead of time because you don't have it as easy as we have it. Those of us who do not have special needs child. So thank you very much for sharing that. I appreciate you. Um, so I think it's really, really important to have, to have that. Um, before I go on to the next section, what I want to do is read to you our part of our mission statement. Now, we had our mission statement, then we lost it. So this was from memory <laughs> a long time ago. Okay, you have to understand, our oldest will be 40. But this is, at the time, what ours looked like. And this is, I'm just giving you a snippet in case you want to go home and be challenged by today's talk. And begin a mission statement because we know that without a vision our our churches that have mission statements would not be pressing on and you might have a mission statement for your marriage and one for your church and one boundaries and missions for your friendships but when was the last time you wrote one for your children and so here's your challenge today. You all have homework, and I'm going to leave you my email so you can send it to me. So I'm going to be praying for you. All these children will is how our mission statement began. Do chores to help the family. Speak their minds with clarity. We never shut our children up. Participate in Sunday school and youth group. 
you live here, you don't have an option. Play a musical instrument. Dave wasn't on that one so much because he doesn't come from a musical family. That was highly important to me. Speak Espanol. Hablar Espanol ser alguien que es bilingüe es super importante. And if you are bilingüe, you need to be teaching your children both that language. Don't lose your language. Don't let them not have it. Be a part of a missions team. And that was when they were older. Serve in our community. Free. Not for money. Free. And be on a sports team. There are things that happen when children are on a sports team. They have to listen to someone else's authority. They have to listen to their teacher at school. They have to listen to their coaches. They have to be a team player. They have to give up their, their clean socks and wear their dirty socks because someone on their team forgot their socks. They have to share their sandwich that they're starving to eat because someone forgot their sandwich and snack. Be on a team. Another question we are asked is, how is it you raise such confident kids? We set really tight boundaries for our children. I was uh, almost militant. I was just very rigid, very uh, 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 uh. And sometimes to a fault, I will admit that. And Dave, the favorite parent, <laughs> mom will say, no, let's go ask dad. I would never buy hot dogs. I'm just not going to buy hot dogs. We're not going to eat hot dogs. Hot dogs are off the table. Hot dogs are ugly, and I don't like them. The minute I would walk out the door for a retreat or anything, Dad would say, let's go store and buy hot dogs. <laughs> kind of gives you an idea, right? One of the things is we did a lot, and we encouraged this from the time they were little, is we we absolutely had family dinners. Um, back then, we didn't have phones, but we had a recorder. What was that recorder called? The, the recorder, anyways. We were not allowed to answer the phone. Let the answer, that's it, the answering machine. Let the answering machine get it. How's that for technology, millennials? Yeah, the answering machine. And then um, we were not allowed to eat in front of the TV. We're not allowed to answer the telephone. No distractions was our family time. And that trickled into our family meeting time. We had family time, and our oldest one hated it and sabotaged it on a regular basis. <laughs> and he was cruel. And you might know him and love him, but he was cruel. And so I remember him... I was speaking one time for parenting. I called him. I said, what advice do you have for me? What do you think these parents need to hear? And he said, oh, mom, oh, pff, oh, mom, well, well, you know, mom, our family times were just amazing. <laughs> Who are you? Are you kidding me right now? Oh, no, no. I, I did hate them, but they kept me balanced. I just never showed you. What? When did that happen? We expected good manners all the time. I expected the boys to open the doors for women. I'll never forget when Kyle came home one time. He was at the store, and he opened a door for an old lady. And he goes, Mom, I thought she was going to give me money. She was so excited. 
Now, we're in the South, and you guys that are from the South, y'all know you do, you know, yes, ma'am, and all that, and you guys have kids that have amazing manners. Thank you. Well, in the Northwest, they've been lost somewhere <laughs> with all the, the, the brilliance of the technology up there. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. We are not good at it, so bring it back. Bring it back. Kindness. We taught our children and told our children they would be kind to everyone. How can you not expect that if they're representing you and your family and sometimes your church outside the home, their kindness? We expected to, um, I better put my glasses on so I read that right. We, um, uh, in, the, in the Bible it says, bring up your child in the way should go and he will not depart from it. And the one that parents really love to quote is, is spare the rod and spoil the child. And if you study the rod, it is not a spanking rod. <laughs> the rod is, is understanding truths, God's truths. It's the Lord's truth. And so when the word teach comes around, it is really talking about that rod. And so the rod, the teach them to respect Teach them to respect any person because you don't know their story. Teach them. Uh, remember, they are making a difference when you teach them well. When you parent well, you're teaching them well, and they are going to, in fact, turn it around outside. When you least expect it, you are not going to be able to understand that in the home, the way they're acting, they could possibly be nice outside. Maybe you've already been the, the, the victim parent that you somebody comes up and says, your child was the nicest to me and had the best manners. You're going, <laughs> who, who are you talking about? <laughs> and, and it really does all come together. Teach them to listen. Now, I'm a teacher, and I have uh, friends I teach with, and, and some have, have not learned the one-voice moment, okay? And they go, okay, five, four, three, come back. Okay, let's start at five again. Five, four, three, and they blah, 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 and they keep counting, you know? Now, I understand if you're going to count for a one-year-old and say, okay, one, two, three, you're going to come to me, you know, that. But when they're nine and you're counting to five, <laughs> you've taught them to not listen to you say that again. You've taught them to not listen to you. So I know in my class I say to them, we're going to do the next right thing. You're going to be listening. I will give the instructions one time. These guys are in second grade. They are toothless wonders. And I'll say <laughs> once, and if you didn't hear me, you may not ask your neighbor. So you better listen well. And I teach them from day one that what I say they must do. And some of them go, Wow, my mom never does that. I don't listen till she yells. <laughs> mouth of babes. Out of the mouth of babes. Isn't that something? What are you doing to get your kids' attention? I remember teaching my children. We would walk into a room, and I would say, you have to stand by me till I say it's okay. And we would come in, and we would assess. Okay, you know where you want to go? Okay. Well, stand by me if you don't. And if you're teaching them, I have no idea what's going on over there. <laughs> okay. Teach them. Because then you're going to say, we're going to have you come back. And that's also in the realm of today, just that protection for them. Because you don't want them running off and you don't know what's happening, who's there. 
you don't. I'm not going to tell you to, at all to live in fear with your children, but I am going to encourage you to always know where they are. Um, people say to me, well, you just don't know my kids. You don't know that if uh, they, there's no way they can learn to come the first time. I've had moms tell me that. And I'll say, well, they're trained to move only when you explode. And if you don't want to explode, then you need to find consequences. I want to share a couple consequences that I had made, we had made for our children. One consequence, if you don't listen well to me the first time, there will be consequences. One, I'm sorry you missed going to Target with me, but you didn't listen to my instructions. You'll have to stay home with your dad, with the TV off. So I'm sorry, and walk away. Like, oh my gosh, probably will only happen once. Um, I'm sorry I asked you to do this and you didn't do it. So instead of 7.45 bedtime, you've lost 15 minutes. That is a killer punishment for children in grade school because they come to school as second grade. They go, <laughs> I didn't go to bed till eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big deal for a second grader. That was eight o'clock. And the others that go to bed at 7 o'clock, they're like, 8 o'clock, what was the family doing? That's so amazing. They think there's a party or something going on. <laughs> Another one would be for maybe the more middle school age when you have your children doing dishes at night instead of the mom doing the dishes every night. And you have your children doing the dishes at night. So it would be the brother's turn to do the dishes, and uh, you have to have them done by 7 o'clock at night. And if they're not done at 7 o'clock, you'll be doing them again tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow night is your brother's night to do dishes, but you didn't have them done by 7 o'clock, so you're doing them tomorrow as well. Do you understand me? Okay, show me with your thumb that you understand me. That's a thumbs up. <laughs> is there any yelling involved? Mm -mm. Is there any put down? You're just a stupid kid. No. There's no yelling. There's none of that. There's clear expectations. Thank you. You're a good actor. <laughs> so that's, that's what that is. Another thing I teach my class is not just do the next right thing, but they're lining up, and children can be taught this so easily. I'll say, our line looks good. We're getting ready to walk to music. I'm going to turn my back. And then I say, and who are you when I'm not looking? <laughs> and then I'll stop and I'll go like this and if someone dares be out of line or is talking or goofing off or playing on the floor like they like to play I'll say I'm sorry that's a bad choice what do you think and I'll ask the rest of them what do you think the consequence should be and they go <laughs> they should be at the very back of the line I say I think that's a good idea. Would you please take yourself to the back, which is like the dreaded dun, 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 the back of the line. Nobody likes to be at the back of the line. All kids want to be at the first of the line. So it is dreaded. Dave always said, we teach people how to treat us. And a lot of adults say, we do that because I'm not going to let my mother-in-law talk to me that way. I'm not going to let my neighbor talk to me that way. I'm not going to let my sister talk to me that way. But what about your children? How many of you are being slapped and hit? Or <coughs> You're teaching them that it's okay to treat you like that. 
even the one-year-old, it's always at the flailing hands stage, you know, that's just one-year-olds. And, and they're, you know, and they're soft, soft, and they just slap you. And, you know, it's funny the first time and the next time you just want to wring their necks because <laughs> it really does hurt or they take your hair and you're just like, <laughs> yeah, not okay. Where, where is your boundary with that? I am way off. <laughs> We're supposed to be timing me. Okay, I want to talk a little bit on boredom, arguments, behavior, and chores. So we're going to have a question and answer time afterwards, but does anyone have any question of clarity as we go right now? We're all good? So these are our signals. Eh, not sure. I don't get it. So I'm looking for your signals during the question. Oh, there it is. And if you're Asperger's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. A any other teachers in here? This is almost universal language where you're doing that. And it's it sparked because we had special need kids in our classrooms that aren't verbal and are not able to. And, you, and I have kids that if I have an English day and I have a Spanish speaker who doesn't speak English yet, they're able to, you know, like, eh, otra vez, you know, <laughs> say it again. Uh, or on Spanish days where I have my English speaking kids going, uh, I think it means this, but um, más información, you know. So uh, yeah, that's, that's great. And I think kids should learn some forms of sign language and some forms of hand language that can help them process. So thank you for clarifying that. On boredom, one thing I always say, it is not your job to make your children happy or keep them busy. It's just not your job. A lot of parents say, oh, well, I have to plan this, and then they have to have a puzzle, and Play-Doh, and da-da-da-da-da. Now, if you have a three-year-old, I get it. You should have a different activity every three minutes, or every 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> not every three minutes. Every 15 minutes for a three-year-old that wants to, okay, so now we're going to color. Okay, put that away. Oh, they're going to start coloring on the walls. And so three-year-olds are a little different. So I'm talking about kids a little bit older than that. And so, but it's not your job to make them happy in that. So well, I'm bored in this. I'm not happy. Well, you got to choose because I've been married to this guy for 41 years, and he does not make me happy. He's not, it's not his job. We choose happiness, and we have to teach our children to choose happiness. You know, the crying, flailing, tired baby, put it in the crib. Give it a toy in the crib and just let it be chill because everyone has to learn that. And you might have on your hands an introvert that's done or overloaded with all the, the TV on, the radio, the podcast, or this or that, and all the noise that's going on. It might just really be happy in its crib. And you teach it to be happy happy, to be a self-soother, to be content with the moment, and you get to learn how their brain is working. So um, that's a little bit on the happiness trail. The, um, it's, it's not your, your job. So what do we do with someone who is grumpy and moody? Well, we have to always, I think, help children. 
Mm, I didn't get the biggest piece of the cookie. Or, mm, I wanted to do that. Or, mm. It's like, well, you can be mad. That's okay. I acknowledge that you're mad. But you're not going to stomp and you're not going to slam a door because that's not what we do in our home. We don't do that in our home. So if you're going to be grumpy and mad, you may go into the bathroom and sit on the floor. Well, what are they going to do? They don't want to go to the bathroom and sit on the floor. Who wants to sit on the bathroom floor? <laughs> it's like, no, thank you. So they have to learn to have that opportunity. Now, you're validating that he's upset. I'm sorry you didn't get the biggest piece of cookie. I understand. I always want the biggest piece of cookie, too. I get it. But you didn't. So you either have no cookie and go sit on the bathroom floor or you can change your heart. And I know our daughter, she always taught the kids, and Nana and Papa are here, and they, they know our kids. The, they are the other set of the grandparents. This is Dick and Don, by the way. They give it up for them. They <laughs> pastored for many years. And Bethany would always say, choose a happy heart, because when you choose a sad heart or a grumpy heart or the broken heart, <laughs> it's, you're not going to get your way. And the kids have been... <coughs> commissioned, if you will, to always choose that happy heart. Now, are they allowed to be sad and mad? Absolutely. Do you validate their feelings? Absolutely. You cannot tell someone, now don't be sad. And I think in Christianity, sometimes we think that because we love Jesus, we're not allowed to be upset. And that's, I don't know where that came from. Because we see in the word that Jesus was upset. And he actually refers to sin not in your anger. So I think there's clarity here uh, that there is that emotion. So why are we not allowing our children to have that feeling and not be validated? Because I think that's where a lot of the push and shove, like this child is just so angry. Why is he angry? Why is that underlying? I, I couldn't help but think of the gal that shared yesterday, Cooper was her last name. Why did it take her so many years to not share her secret, what had happened? Was she scared she would not be heard? Was she scared? I don't know. I haven't talked to her. I don't know her. But I kept praying. What child has been hurt and doesn't have the ability to go to their parents? And it can possibly start with not being heard when they are sad or mad or upset. Listen to your children. Now, don't accept the stomping and the whining and the crying, but you can say, I am here. Look at my eyes. You can tell me anything right now. It's about a cookie. I get it. You can always tell me anything, but is this really worth the cookie right now? And you can talk to your children. You can train them to talk to you. Because if you're just saying, you better be good in the name of Jesus right now, hallelujah, boom, shakalaka. You know, <laughs> it's not going to happen. They're not going to come to you for the secrets that happen. And, and I don't know about you, but I wanted to know what happened. That's why we had family meeting. I'll never forget Bethany. She... Um, she played the piano, and I thought for sure she was going to be my, like my mother, the concert pianist. That poor girl, she married Mark Wymore, their son, and he is the most musical person in the world. And when he first heard her sing, he just said, thank God you are beautiful because <laughs> you have no, no 
tone to nothing musical in you. And it's so sad. And she is gorgeous, but she is so not musical. And so she comes to family meeting one night, and she's got her sheet music, and she's trembling. And, and she's like, Mom, I'm really sorry. But I can't do this. I'm asking the family to release me from piano lessons. And it killed me. But I realized, and it was hard, and you're going to face hard times like this. And it's the piano, for crying out loud. It was my mother's dream, my dream for her, but it wasn't hers. Are we pushing our kids so hard that they can't come to us? That's my question to you. I'm going to give you a moment to write down if there's something the Lord's showing you right now. Is there something that you're pushing your kids so hard in that it's not of God, but it's your be you're driving it? So this parenting became a journey for us. And the kids were two, no, four, six, and eight about the time Dave came to me and he said, I really hate something about how you parent. I said, okay. He says, well, I'm drinking my coffee in bed, watching the news in the morning. I hate how you yell at the kids getting ready for school. I realized I was a yeller, and I hated that part about my life. So I began to go to the scriptures. And it's really hard for me to admit this, because I want everyone to like me. And who likes a yeller? Who likes someone who yells at their kids? Nobody! <laughs> but this is what happened. I went to Proverbs. I love that Proverbs 31 woman. I really believe I wanted to be her. I still do. She smiles at the future, and the teaching of wisdom is upon her tongue. If you don't know that by heart, I, I absolutely recommend it. She smiles at the future, and the teaching of wisdom and other translations, kindness is upon her tongue. And I honed into that. And I, I wrapped my heart around it. And I wrapped my mind around it. And I began to make alternatives instead of yelling at the kids. And Dave stopped drinking coffee in bed. <laughs> <laughs> and he began actually to take over 60%, 66%, not 60%, 66% of the meals in the house.
Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we are empty nesters, and I, do, and I still get up at 545 every morning and go to work and deal with 25 kids So every single day. So I deserve that, right? <laughs> and someday you will too, young ladies. But the point is I had to make a change, and I had to come up with some alternatives, some, some alternatives for instead of yelling. I'm just going to share a couple of those. I remember going to the family first and asking them to forgive me for being a yeller and to hold me accountable. I remember yelling at Kyle one time so bad. He was about seven years old, and he used to stand in there. He put away his his dirty underwear <laughs> in his clean underwear drawer. And I'm like, I'm like one, I'm, I mean, I was like Marie Kondo before she was Marie Kondo, right? <laughs> and, and so I'm just like looking at his perfectly folded underwear and then all these dirty underwear on top and I was just losing it. And I'm just like, what do you think we do around here? Why do you think I even do laundry? And I'm just like going off. And he's just like, <laughs> he, he looked like Woody, you know, when Woody has uh, on the Toy Story and he's just like, And, and then he, and then I finish, and he's like, I thought you were going to yell. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, rewind. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> so they had permission to stop me, and they weren't allowed to use it with words. It was this. That's about all I could handle. So don't, I don't know about you, but I don't like people telling me what to do very much. So I was like, okay, so find a sign. Find, find, let them find a voice to tell you. Give them permission. I tried to, instead of overreacting with the mess, I tried to ask instead, hey, what's going on in here? Instead of being frustrated with their feelings, I had to ask, how can I help you with that? Instead of raging because the dishes weren't done right, I had to say, let's go in the kitchen together and try this again. Instead of nagging about the trash, I would say, actually Dave taught them, it has to be done by five or you will not have a life. No. <laughs> that's not true. That's, that was extra. No, that's not true. We avoided the words, you always and you never. You always, it's, it works really well in marriage too. You cannot say to your husband, you always, or you never, and those are fighting words. You have to find a new voice. The teaching of kindness is upon her tongue. It's 1212. We are, we are going to questions and I didn't even get to technology. Bummer. I'm going to give you the website of technology. One of them is called, and it is incredible, guys, Families Managing Media. Families Managing Media. I am so sorry. There's, I, I don't know, I just get carried away here. Um, I do want to read this about technology. Our caution about technology and media falls into four main areas of concern. The sheer volume of time spent on media, the content of the media, the interruptions to focus and living life, 
and the stressful and unnatural situations it can put our children into. I know we have to stop. I know we have questions. I would like to give this gift to the girl with the special needs child. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate your bravery. Um, are there any questions right now? But, oh, don't clap for me right now. Are there any questions right now? Yes, ma'am. As a teacher, I would go into that classroom and sit, and I would go to that child and say, I hear you've been mean and ugly to my child. <laughs> and I don't want you to do it again. And if I hear about it, I'm calling your mama. Children respond really well to honest truth. Any parent is invited any time to my classroom to sit there, and, s and, and you are too. And just because they're in Christian school doesn't mean they won't encounter the same things they will in public school. It doesn't protect them from it. All it does is it gives them an allowance to be able to share the word. But I'm a public school teacher, and don't tell anyone, but I talk about Jesus all the time. <laughs> Every day. All the time, and I know my Christian kids, and I'll say, so what'd you do? I say, oh, you went to church? What? Tell us about that. <laughs> Give them the mic. <laughs> what are they going to do? Take away my birthday? I don't think so. Well, first of all, if he's autistic, do you have headphones for him or earbuds? Yes. Oh. Well, it's probably the pitch that he's not liking. Yeah. So most of your kids with autism or, or any of your, your isms, they're not going to like the pitch in the room. They're not going like to the, like different sounds. They can hear a lot more frequencies. They can hear frequencies. Like last night where I was, yesterday where we were sitting in service, there was somebody somewhere translating, and I could hear the frequency of that, and it just drives me nuts. 
and, and he might be experienced that inability to focus, which might be painful, and they do feel pain when they can't hear well. Hmm. Oh, yeah, in every middle school kid is like, I don't want to be in church. This is stupid. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> deal with it. Yeah. You know, why don't you pick where we're going to eat lunch after church, you know? Find something positive that, that he can look forward to, you know? And today, I want you to find one thing that you liked about service. So make him accountable for what is going on in service. Yeah. And is he, do is he allowed to doodle during church? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All my autistic kids are allowed to doodle. In fact, any kid who wants to doodle while they're listening is fine. But no devices. I would say no devices. I got to get you more. Okay, if you have to leave, I understand. And you're starving. You're oh, I thought you told me I was done. <laughs> One more question. No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. How old is she? Okay. Um, both Bill Gates and <coughs> Steve Jobs said no phones before 14. That's not me talking. Those are two experts who have a lot of money, who understand technology, and know the ramifications. I'm going to do a little bit of my talk. I'm going to try to read it so it goes really fast, and then we'll take questions on that. So um, fire is a great tool. Great tool. But fire, fire, fire is a great tool. Would you agree with me? Yeah. Like a fire. It like a fire, not Amazon fire, fire. <laughs> Caveman fire. <laughs> fire is a great tool. Would you agree? But if it were in the middle of your living room, would it be great? And no, because someone's going to die. Technology is a great tool, just like fire. You have to be careful with it, or it's going to get burned. Someone's going to get burned. That's where I was going to start with that. Social media is, it's not the phone itself, it's the social media. Social media was not designed for children. It wasn't. It was not designed for children. Technology is a right. It is not a privilege. Remember, your brain is, I'm sorry, it is not a right, it is a privilege. Sorry, I said that backwards. I'm a little dyslexic, okay. Remember that your brains are ever-growing, especially children's brains, and they can, and because your child's brain is searching instead of thinking and remembering, that's what's damaging. If they're searching instead of thinking and remembering, that's what's damaging. Fifteen years ago, Oprah introduced us to multitasking, and we all began to watch TV, talk to our moms, do the addition, nurse the baby, all at one time, and we thought we were just on top of the world because we were accomplishing so much in one minute. 
Multitasking should not have ever been invited into the world of technology with multitasking. Your children are not capable of listening to music and doing their homework and being completely and focused and engaged. This is from a study I read. This is not me. The vortex, the frontal vortex, cannot manage the distractions and the temptations to go to the next song, to text their friend, to go into Snapchat, and then go back to do their algebra. Not capable. So those are just some words of caution if you have teenagers that are using their phone while they're trying to study. It's not working. It is impossible to teach the level of maturity that any child needs to get to navigate social media. Parts of their brains are not ready. They are not ready to interact with the drama of it all. Social media is not a device to either make your child smarter, nor can it prepare them for a job or life. It is only a tool for chatting and looking up some information or just scrolling to have fun. It is not meant to help them in growth and life skills. It does not add to their social development in any way. In fact, it can be very harmful. It eats up hours and hours and hours of their attention and time. It is addictive and can capulate anyone into addictive personality. What it does is the same endorphins that be dopamine that becomes um, from a cigarette smoker to an alcoholic to a shopaholic to a gossiper that in that dopamine that is awakened at a young child in a young child is almost impossible to quench if they've already been into the world. It could be pornography. We uh, started off our school year, unfortunately, with a meeting. Our meeting was on sexualization. Didn't even know it was a word. Our, our children have been sexualized. I didn't even know that word existed. And what does that mean? Younger and younger and younger, these children are getting on sites because their friends got phones and they're going, look what I saw yesterday. And they're going, was I supposed to see that? And once that image is there, it drops some dopamine and it goes, I can see that also. Remember that picture you showed me yesterday? Let's look at it again because I didn't get a really good view. And then it starts and it starts and it starts. That's the number one reason not to have a phone in a child's hand. Um, it replaces social norms. Difficult norms that people go through at all stages of life, they are robbed of it. They're robbed of being kind. They're robbed of serving. They're robbed of so many social norms because they're so focused on what's going on on a, on, on a device. It can cause a disconnect to a family. For reasons alone, taking a more balanced and harder stand could be the best for your family, but it could be one of the most divisive, divisive, um, uh, I forget the word, thing you can do. Uh, family, love, and support and unity are much more important than any game they will ever play. Social media has invaded their brains too early, and um, they cannot manage responsibilities nor relationships. It's consuming 
I interviewed two of my fifth grade helpers. Their names are Araya and Nevea. And I said, I'm teaching on parenting and on phones. Can I interview you? They said, absolutely, ma'am. And I said, okay, do you both have phones? Yes, ma'am. Who pays for it? Mama. Do you earn it? Did you earn it? No. Do you ever give it back or do you ever have to give it back? Nope. Do you ever feel it's necessary at school? Nope. It's not necessary at school. These are fifth graders. Do boys in your class use the phone differently than the girls? Yes, they do. Do boys in, uh, in your class use the phone for inappropriate activities? Blushing. They could hardly look at me for this one. Yes, sir. Yeah. What do you mostly do on your phone? I chat with friends. Do you need Google? No, I do not. Were you ready for this much information in your hand? No. How does it harm you or does it harm you? Yes, they both said, I never sleep. What's the best thing about it? Chatting. So what I hear, and, and really fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, what do they want to do? They want to be with their friends. They want to chat. They want to be included. They want to be a part. No different than us. And that's all they really want to do. If that's what they want to do, then maybe a device that only chats would be the alternative. But I also came up with a couple boundaries because a boundary for a phone with a child that age is essential because they don't have the, the ability to set their own boundaries. Seven o'clock, all phones are being charged in mom and dad's room. Uh, if you're doing homework, phones are not allowed. If you have an assignment on there, I will screenshot it and hold it there, and that's it. Every now and then, I know teachers will do that, but you can find it online as well. So I, I, just, don't, I just don't buy that one. You have, <coughs> you want extra 15 minutes on Friday night on your phone? You can do all the family laundry, and I'll give you 15 minutes. <laughs> because they have to earn it. Because that phone more than likely costs about five, $600, or it's costing you monthly. My question is, what is she doing to have that phone? Nothing, and that's what's wrong. Because it's building this entitlement um, scheme in our lives. And if we're avoiding entire entitlement, then we cannot be handing your random 10-year-old a phone if they did not earn it. I earned my degrees. I earned my wages. I earn. I love to earn. I feel good about myself. I like me. I'm able to give because I earn. I love to give. What is your child learning by that? And that, that's my question, especially for those who have, who has junior high, high school age kids? Yeah. A little bit more on technology here. And then we'll get to a couple questions. About social problems. As parents, we crave our kids to be accepted ones. Raise your hand if you want your child to be accepted. We did. We didn't want, our, we didn't want the weirdo kid. <laughs> let's just say it. A and I tell my kids in my classroom, I'll say, okay, you're on the floor because you didn't get the cookie. You're throwing a fit. This is usually in September, October. 
and I'll say, and this might work for you at home with your mom, but I'm not your mom, and you're not at home. So, do you see anybody else on the floor? The answer is no. Okay. And do you see anybody else having a fit? No. So, should you be having this fit? I see that you're sad, but throwing a fit. If you were three, I would walk away. But you're seven. You're a toothless wonder in my class, and you cannot act that way. So get it together and sit down. And when you have it together, you'll get your cookie. Kids are not talked to that way anymore. Parents are like, oh, no, you're having a fit. Oh, my gosh, it'd be so bad. You have permission to tell them no. You have permission to be strict. You have my permission to say stop that. You have permission that they will behave better because more is asked of them. Because who has asked more of them? The Lord has asked us to have self-control. Going back to our scripture, the fruit of the spirit. And that is why we don't allow for that. We have, uh, we wanted our children to be the favored ones. We wanted them not to be rejected. There are some people that didn't like our children. I knew that. I heard that. I understood that. Don't be so blind that not everyone is going to like your children. People are mad that our, our children were strong. People were mad that our children were, uh, the, the oldest one especially was a teaser and mean. And, and they didn't like that about him. A and I knew that about him. Why would I say, well, those mean, terrible people? No, I get it. <coughs> Don't be in denial about your kids. Help them. Instead, help them. Help them to become who God has called them to be. It is very human of us to feel that way, that we want everybody. But our children and our with kids involved in technology are rapidly causing them to lose abilities to connect to humans. So I want to end with the story. Here is the story. A family in 1998 versus the same family in 2018. Little boy, seventh grader, comes downstairs, goes into the kitchen. Morning, Dad. Morning. Morning, sis. Morning. Having breakfast. Time to go to school. Okay. Get to school. He's having lunch. It's spaghetti day. Somehow he ends up tripping over the chair. He falls down. Spaghetti goes everywhere. And everybody laughs. Okay, whatever. He knows he's got clothes in the gym, so he goes to the gym. Puts on his clothes, gets through school, no big deal. Oh, yeah, you're wearing gym clothes, yeah. Spaghetti on me. Oh, yeah, I heard about that, yeah. <laughs> gets home, sister goes, you wore that to school? No, spaghetti fell all over. Oh, okay, you okay? Yeah. Mom and dad, they're eating dinner. Yeah, uh, yeah. how was your day? Oh, I tripped and I got spaghetti all over me and everybody laughs. And he goes, yeah, it was kind of funny, but, you know, at least I had gym clothes. Didn't have to go to school without clothes. Fast forward 20 years, same kid. Gets up in the morning, dad's on the phone, doesn't say good morning. Sister's on the phone, is mad because something's going on at school that she's heard about and she's got to hurry up and get to school. So he can't eat breakfast because sister's got in the car right now. Dad's got to move right now and get them to school right now. So she's yelling at dad, yelling at brother to get in the car and he has no breakfast. Gets to lunch, trips, spaghetti all over him. Now everybody takes out their phone, tap, 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 tap. It's on Snapchat, look at the stupid kid, da, 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 da. His phone's blowing up and blowing up and blowing up and blowing up. And he's so anxious he doesn't want to look because he knows it's about him. Goes to the gym, puts on his gym clothes, 
And then people are Snapchatting, oh, look at his stupid gym clothes. Look at this kid. He came to school with the gym clothes. He didn't even have cool clothes on. All over his phone's blown up, phone's blown up. He knows it's about him, so he's too anxious to even answer the phone. Gets home, and sister goes, uh, weird, saw that on Snapchat. Dad gets home, nobody knows. Nobody notices that he's in gym clothes. Eats, sits down, eats dinner. Mom and dad are on the phone. Okay, good night. Did you get your homework done? Yeah, okay. Everybody goes to bed. Everybody has their phones. This kid considers suicide. He doesn't want to go back to school tomorrow. He doesn't know if the kid who sent the first Snapchat, or he doesn't understand that the kid who sent it is getting so much activity with his endorphins because so many people have liked his response to this kid's failure. So he can't wait to get to school tomorrow to find this kid, see what else can he do so that he can have more people like his Snapchat. And that kid with the spaghetti all over himself doesn't want to live. If you have any heart, consider your children what they're going through when they have those devices in their hands and what's going on. That's the reality of what's going on. When those girls were talking about chatty, they were a little bit different because those are girls that are catty and da 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 A little bit different. There are mean kids out there that are sad and that at anyone's expense will make themselves feel better. That's the biggest harm of the phones. I believe. Plenty of time. How much more time? I'm done with time. Okay. Five minutes over. Okay. We have a couple people here that are willing to pray with you if you have a situation. We have healing oil that we've been given. And um, I have some, uh, if you want to pray. If you have a question, I'd be happy to answer as well. But if you want prayer, I'm going to ask that you come up to this side. And if you have a question, I don't know if everyone wants to hear the question. If you have a question for me, thank you for coming today. I'm so sorry we ran out of time. Thank you so much.